Listeners, welcome back to the KPL Podcast. I'm your host, Jagisha. This week on the podcast, I have best-selling author Ashley Herring-Blake, and today we're going to be talking about her latest novel, Iris Kelly Doesn't Date. So welcome to the podcast, Ashley. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Okay, so to start us off, tell us about the book. What is your book about? All right, so Iris Kelly Doesn't Date is about um, Iris Kelly, who is um, a member of the Bright Falls crew, if y'all are familiar, if anyone is familiar with the other two books, um, Delilah Green Doesn't Care and Astra Parker Doesn't Fail. She is um, Astrid's best friend um, and Delilah's by this point. You don't have to have read the books, the other two, to to read Iris, but, you know, it, it helps. Um but she is a very ride or die kind of best friend. She is kind of wild. She does what she wants, really. Um, and she's had some trouble in the relationship department over the the previous two books. And so she's kind of decided, you know what? This isn't working out for me. Maybe I'm just not meant for long term. I'm not meant for relationships, really. I'm just going to have fun and have sex. That's what I'm going to do. Um, hence the title, She Doesn't Date. And so she, you know, she's also kind of dealing with her friends who are all now in these very committed, loving relationships, um, which she is very happy about. But, you know, sometimes feels a little fifth wheel. Mm-hmm. Um, and so she but she enjoys her life. She is convinced she is fine. So she goes out one night and she has um, a what a horrible one night stand, like absolutely awful. Probably the worst one <laughs> you could imagine. Um, and that person is the other main character in the book, Stevie Scott. Um, and obviously neither one of them think they're going to see each other again. Stevie is a character who deals with anxiety and she's also an actor. And so she uh, is dealing with her own things with her best friend, her best friends. Um, and she kind of tells a little lie that the date went great and she, her and Iris are going to see each other again. Um, but she doesn't plan on actually seeing Iris again at a community theater audition and they end up kind of hatching a fake dating plot. So that's kind of the gist. Okay. So what inspired the story? Well, you know, it's the third book in a in a connected series. Um, so I, I had to deal with who Iris already was, <laughs> you know, like what I wrote Iris in and who she was in Delilah was, was canon. You know, I couldn't really change her up very much. Um, I hadn't done a fake dating plot. I think fake dating plots are really tricky to write. Um, because, you know, a lot of times when I think about fake dating, I'm like, who in the world would actually do that? You know, <laughs> like, who would actually fake date someone? Um, but then, of course, when I read a fake dating romance in the hands of a great romance author, I'm like, well, obviously, these people must fake date immediately. Um, so, you know, I wanted to try it out. I'm, but it was it was interesting with Iris because, you know, she she is not a character who if she went up to her best friends and she said, Stevie is my girlfriend. In, in earnestness even though it was fake but she said it in earnestness to her friends they would not believe her they'd be like there's no way you do don't want to date anybody what are you doing what are you talking about so i kind of had to add a little twist where she's fake dating for stevie's friends but she like blatantly tells her her best friend group stevie's my fake girlfriend which just kind of adds a little bit of a twist i like kind of subverting tw- uh tropes sometimes you know mm-hmm. just even in little ways if i can and then of course her friends are like what are you doing like this is ridiculous um so i had that and then stevie was she deals with generalized anxiety disorder um which you know a lot of people do and so i kind of wanted to tap into that and see how that kind of affected relationships not only romantic relationships but friendships 
um, you know, confidence levels, all that kind of things, trying new things. Um, so Stevie deals a lot with that. So it just kind of came from a, a cobbled, you know, things I'm interested in writing about and mm-hmm. kind of who Iris already was and who things that I already established. Mm-hmm. So speaking of the fake relationship trope, that's actually one of my favorite tropes to read. I really love uh, reading. I love how authors kind of change it up every single time when they write those yeah. tropes. So do you have a particular trope that you a love writing in and also um, that you like reading? Um, I love a grumpy sunshine. Um, that's kind of what Delilah and Claire were. And mm-hmm. I I just love any situation where you have one character who's just like, just needs to be melted a little bit. It's just a grump. You can't really tell. You can't really get through that shell for a while. Um, mm-hmm. And then someone else who is just really determined to get through that shell. Um, I love that. I also kind of along the same lines, I love enemies to lovers. I just love seeing two people who kind of start off really not hating not liking each other or even rivals um which is kind of like what what Astrid and Jordan were in the second book um so yeah I just I like anything where it seems um unlikely you know that these two people would would mesh Mm -hmm. yeah so this is the third book in the Bright Bright Falls I guess series and so tell us more about the town and um how did you kind of create sort of the world yeah um I, I love writing fictional towns <laughs> and I like doing that a lot because I, I can just make everything up. <laughs> and so it's like, it's just a lot more fun for me to kind of create the kind of town that I want to see or want to be in. There are real towns around them. Like actually a lot of Iris takes place in Portland, Oregon. Um, but so in creating the town, I just kind of wanted something that felt, you know, I, I love small town romance. That's another trope that I like. Um, I love small town romance. And so I knew I wanted to do that. Um, and I just wanted to create a place that that felt real, but also was, you know, a safe place for this queer community, like um, a place that they they knew that they were accepted and, and OK um, and could be themselves in. So really, that was kind of the basis for it. Um, and then everything around it, you know, there's like the bookstore that kind of plays a, a role. And then there's um there's a bar that they go to kind of regularly called Stella's and, um, and then, you know, it was just fun to just kind of create what kind of town I might like to be in really. Mm. Yeah. 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 And I, I, I think I would love to visit Bright Falls. So I would, yeah. <laughs> I, yeah. would I could go hang out there. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So tell us about your process. Now, do you, are you a plotter or pantser or how do you sort of start with the stories? Um, I'm, I'm a planner um so or a plotter so but not like so much that I can't change things up and have some freedom as I'm writing it um I always start with character and kind of premise kind of together okay like you know I have this one character and this is her problem or whatever it might be you know when I first started writing I was more of a of a pantser I would kind of just get a premise and then just kind of go and for a lot, I used, I wrote young adult middle grade novels for years as well. And so, and for a lot of those books, when I was drafting, it was very stressful <laughs> because I would just felt like I would sit down every day with a blank page and be like, I don't know what's happening. And for some people that works great. For me, it kind of added, it just added some anxiety, but I didn't really know my process there. You know, I've been writing for several, you know, for writing novels now for about 10 years almost. Um, and so I've, in that time, my process has changed a lot. And some of it by necessity, because you know, once you kind of get into publishing, you don't really write a book and then sell it. You sell it first mm-hmm. um, on a proposal or a synopsis or something like that. And so I kind of had to force myself 
to think more ahead um, mm-hmm. because I had to write a full synopsis for my publisher. And that actually ended up being a wonderful thing for me because I usually, what I do is I get an idea and I write a full synopsis. This usually ends up being about eight to 12 pages, just depending on how much details I put in. I mean, I'll even put dialogue that I randomly think of sometimes mm-hmm. at like key moments. Um, and that just really helps lay the groundwork for me. And that then when I sit down, I'm not so terrified. I, I know the main beats. I know what's going to, you know, how they're going to end up together. I know how they're, what the conflicts are that they're going to deal with. Um, I know the first time they kiss usually. Um, now the thing about that is though, is that it always changes. Like as I'm writing it and the characters start kind of developing better more and I get to know them more. I'm like, I don't think they do this or I don't want that here. And so then I, then I just change it, you know, for, but at that point I'm already so into it and I know what needs to happen. And so, you know, that's kind of my process right now. And it, it really works for me. I enjoy drafting a lot more than I used to. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. It's always interesting to hear about the different processes that authors go through. Cause I spoke to an author a while back and she's like, she tried plotting, but she had plotted the book out and then couldn't write it because she knew what was happening. And so she needed yeah. to pants because she, then there was, I guess she lost the joy or sort of lost the sparkle of the book. Yeah. Yeah. And I, and I can see how that could happen if you, if you plot so tightly, you know, mm-hmm. um, but I, I can't even do that. Like, I don't even think I would be able to plot that tightly beforehand because I just don't know. You don't always know how a character is going to react to something until you're, you have spent a lot of more time with them. You know, I think that's where kind of the surprise comes in for me because it always changes. And sometimes I think like, you know, oh, well, they're going to, they're going to fight over this. And then they end up fighting over something different because it just makes sense for other things that I've written. But yeah, so it's very interesting. I do write linearly. I have to write chapter one, chapter two, chapter Mm -hmm. three. I have a, several writing friends who write all over the place. I'm like, I don't understand. <laughs> Works for you. Wonderful. I do not understand that. That stresses me out. And I'm a pretty complete drafter too. I draft like I, I, my personality won't let me like just insert, like add more description here, like in brackets. Like mm-hmm. I have to add the description if I know description is going to go there. So I'm not one of those people who, who turns off my inner editor. Like a lot of people say, just finish the book, turn off your inner editor and that's great advice if you're a kind of writer who's getting stuck and can't move on and actually get things done and you're just nitpicking. Mm-hmm. It is great advice, but it doesn't work for me because mm-hmm. my process is I listen to my inner editor as I go. And it's not like I and I don't nitpick to where I can't move on. Um, I just I have to get a complete feel in that scene, you know, like mm-hmm. an emotional tone. Or like I said, if I know description needs to go here, then I'm going to add it then, you know, before I move on. So I just, you know, I, I do it a little bit differently than what you'll hear a lot of writing advice, advise people to do to finish a book, mm-hmm. but it works for me. So. Yeah. As long as it works. Yeah. How long does it take you typically to write your first draft? Um, I used to be a teacher. So I had kind of a, this is my first year not teaching and actually working from home, which has been wonderful. But when I was teaching, what I would kind of do was I would be kind of marinating on the idea with that synopsis for, for a few months. Um, cause I would really just write a book a year. Um, mm-hmm. so I would, and that, and, and a lot of the writing would happen in the summer. So I would kind of marinate in the fall about what the next book was going to be, write that synopsis, whatever I needed to do to get it going with my publisher. Um, and then I just sit on it until probably about April. Mm-hmm. Um, and then in April, you know, I'd still be in school. So I'd start writing a sm- small amounts. And usually with that synopsis too, I had the first two chapters or so. So I just let that sit. And then I'd start writing in April 
and then right through the summer. And usually by the time I went back to school in August, it would be done. So about four months. And this year I did it a little bit differently because I didn't have to finish by the time I went back to school. So I didn't actually start writing until June, until school was completely done in May, but I still finished by the end of September. So June, July, August. So that's still four months. So, you know, with my, the, with the way I do it now with doing kind of thinking on a book for a while and having that synopsis and just letting it kind of marinate by the time I start writing, you know, I'm ready to go. Like Mm -hmm. I don't, and if I do hit a road bump, you know, I can usually, which is, you know, definitely still happens. I can usually kind of solve that within a day. Um, So, you know, I'm about four months right now. I'm kind of on a faster schedule now that I'm working from home. So we'll see if the four months um, now that I, I'm not going to have as much time between start because I just turned in a book at the beginning of October and I'm about to start writing another one in November. So that's definitely a way shorter turnaround time than I'm used to. But I also have that book, you know, I have a synopsis for that book as well. So I'm kind of ready to to dive into it. So right now, you know, about four months, but we'll see. Mm-hmm. That's a good amount of time. So have you always written romance and would you change genres or like, you know, maybe write mysteries or thrillers or something? Um, I haven't, I have not always written romance. I started in young adult. I mm-hmm. have three young adult novels. Um, and then I moved into middle grade and I have three middle grade novels. Um, and then after that, I was like, okay, I feel like I've kind of said everything I wanted to say to the younger generation. And so I wanted to kind of start exploring, you know, people more my age who, and what they were dealing with. And then I, and that was kind of like, well, I was determined, I was kind of thinking, what kind of book do I want to write? If I get into adult, do I want to do romance? Do I want to do like more book club or contemporary just, or even literary? Cause I like reading, you know, a, a variety of things. Um, mm-hmm. And that's usually where I kind of find my passion. I think a lot of writers do from what they love reading. And so I was kind of thinking about that and thinking about what kind of book I did want to do in the adult sphere. And then the, and then the pandemic hit and we shut down and um, I was like, well, that then I'm writing romance. <laughs> because, you know, I just need, we all obviously at that time needed something, you know, just happy and hopeful. Um, and so that's, you know, where Delilah came from. That Delilah was my, um, my pandemic book. I have thought about writing other genres in adult. Um, I really love reading thrillers. Mm-hmm. I'm just not sure if I can pull it off. <laughs> Because that, I mean, you have to, I don't know. I just don't know. I Plot, I think, is my weakness. I think I'm I'm more, I'm stronger with character development and that comes first. And then, and then plot kind of follows after that. I know that a thriller can't be that, but, you know, obviously a thriller with whodunit and who's doing these things is very plot, can be very plot driven as well. And so I'm just not sure if I can act, could actually do it. <laughs> but, you know, it's still in the back of my mind. Maybe someday. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah. So, do you have a favorite Shakespeare play? Since uh, I know that the uh, the characters are are doing a Shakespeare play, um, I actually really do love Much Ado. I think it's a lot. Oh, it's very fun. Um, mm-hmm. And Iris, that's the play they're doing is Much Ado about nothing, and I love that one. I I do I like the comedies. You know, I think um, Midsummer Night's Dream is really fun. I love As You Like It. I don't really. I don't think I really have a favorite. Um, and if I did have to pick one, I think it probably would be Much Ado. Yeah, that's a good one. Um, one of mine is the the Taming of the Shrew is probably yeah. the one that I really enjoy. Yeah, that's good. Yeah. All right. So you said you've turned in a book and you're working on a new one. Can you tell us anything about those books? Now, are they also part of this series? Will they fall in uh, happen in Bright Falls? Uh, they will not. So the book that I Bright Falls is done with Iris. Um, so the 
book that I just turned in is a standalone holiday book. Um, mm-hmm. And it is a second chance romance. So that is the the trope I'm writing there. It's called Make the Season Bright. It's been announced. Um, it's coming out next fall, fall of 2024. I really love it. I think it's, you know, it was interesting trying to write a Christmas book in the middle of June and July. But, you know, I did it. Some Christmas music in the background. Yeah, but but yeah, it's a second chance romance about um, two musicians who were childhood best friends, and they they were also child like for each other's first girlfriends. They got engaged and they were going to get married, and then one of them left the other one at the altar, like literally. So, and then they kind of collide five years later at this house. They each have are friends with one of the sisters who lives in this house, and so and then they end up coming to this house together for the holidays. and have to you know deal with deal with each other so um it was a lot of fun to write so that's coming out next fall and then the one i'm starting in um in a few weeks is um dream on ramona riley which has also been announced and it's part it's the first book of a new three book series so and you know i'm kind of i've kind of completely blanked on what it's about but it's um (laughs) it'll be fun it's a small town romance all right. Sounds good. So yeah. I'm curious, all of your titles always have like a full name in it. Do you come up with the character name before you start? Oh, yeah. 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 And and it was funny because someone was teasing me about a friend was like, I don't think you're capable of writing a book without a title. And I'm like, it's my brand. <laughs> and the holiday book um, is called Make the Season Bright. And I was like, that doesn't have a name in it. And they were like, Ashley, your main character's name is Brighton. And she goes by Bright sometimes. I'm like, oh, yeah, I did do that, didn't I? Um, so so yeah, I think that that actually started with my middle grade books. My first middle grade book was um, called Ivy Aberdeen's Letter to the World. And then all my middle grade books had a name in them. And then I didn't really do that on purpose with Delilah. It, I had a different title at the beginning when I was drafting it. And when we sold it, and I can't even remember what the title is now. Um, I don't know. I can't remember. It, was, it wasn't it was rom-commy enough, whatever it was. And so, you know, we were kind of just ex- experimenting with other titles and um, brainstorming and you know, I just came up with Delilah Green doesn't care and it fit perfectly. And so I was like, well, that means names for titles for all the other two books too. So, and then, yeah, with the next series, it just kind of, I just kind of keep rolling with it. So we'll see how long that lasts. <laughs> I think it works. I like it. I like seeing the the name of the character in the titles. It's, it's different. Yeah. I haven't seen that before. So yeah. Well, and it, it differentiates it too. Like there's yeah. no mistaking it for any other book, which yeah. is kind of nice. Yeah. yeah. All right. So last question is uh, that I usually always ask the authors is what are you reading and what would you recommend we read? Yeah. um, So I just finished an amazing book um, called Witch of Wild Things by Raquel Vasquez Gilliland. And it is a romance, um, but it's also like witchy and and it's like plant magic. And, um, you know, there's Latino representation which is just wonderful and it's just such a beautiful book I loved it so so much so I really really recommend that one um if you're looking for a book and you know we're still in October I don't know when this is airing but still in October spooky season so it's a perfect kind of lighter spooky book Mm -hmm. to read um yeah so read that one um one of my faves of this past fall was Cleet Cute by Meryl Wilsner soccer lesbians can't go wrong um so yeah those are two books that I've really loved Okay. couple weeks yeah that sounds good i'll i'll have to add those to my list and, and yeah. check those out so thank you so much for your time this was great talking to you and learning more yes. about the book 
Yes. Thanks for having me. It was wonderful. Thank you so much for listening. And a special thank you to Ashley for doing the interview. Join us next week when we talk to Edward Carey about his latest novel, Edith Holler.